Hello everyone, welcome to another episode of Namaste Bitches. The, this one's coming from New York, and as I said for the month of June, I'm going to try to put one out once a week, which looks like it's definitely going to happen. This podcast is with Natalie Garnaschelli. She is a registered dietitian and culinary nutritionist, and we had a pretty interesting conversation. I will say right up top, I had some technical difficulty with the sound equipment, and it was resolved, but within the first five minutes, it's going to sound a little weird, and then it gets fixed. So just so you know, that's going to happen, and yeah, let's get into it and talk to Natalie and see what her piece of advice is. So Natalie, what is, what is your piece of advice? My piece of advice. This is tough. I think my piece of advice would be to be kind to yourself. I like that. Mm-hmm. I dig that very much. Um, uh, be kind to yourself in what way? Well, I think if you're kind to yourself, ultimately you want to prevent freaking out. Mm-hmm. So That's so hard to do. <laughs> and may I say, we both are in New York City, the, right. the town of freaking out. Right. So... I feel like, so with respects to nutrition and like health and taking care of yourself, Mm -hmm. being kind to yourself and honoring what you want and what you need and um, honoring your body, but also honoring preferences. So if you have chocolate cake for lunch, that's great Mm -hmm. and fine and you enjoy that and move on rather than freaking out and then taking it out on yourself in unhealthy ways. Yeah. Very yeah. cool. Yeah. Um, and just to get into it a little bit, you are a registered dietitian. Yes. And a culinary nutritionist. Yes. But we don't have to talk about that because that just means you spend a lot of time in a kitchen. <laughs> the fact that you were like, it doesn't matter. I'm like, no, I want to talk about what being a culinary nutritionist is. Because it's two very fancy words just put together. Totally. It, is, it does sound a lot fancier than what it is. Well, t- tell me, like, what is your role as a, di- a registered dietitian? At my current job? Uh, yeah. At my current job. So at my current job, the role of dietitian is to... It's it's a lot. So how, okay, let's go, sum it up. I mean, we have an hour, man. <laughs> Get Go nuts. So I work at a eating disorder treatment program, mm-hmm. and we have clients who are there all day, mm-hmm. every day. And the role of the dietitian is to obviously figure out their dietary needs and we make recommendation based on those needs. But also I provide nutrition therapy. Mm-hmm. So um, I get to work in a more therapeutic mode. I also spend a lot of time in the kitchen mm-hmm. and I prepare snacks, I prepare meals, I um plan and design recipes and menus for the clients. Do you teach the clients how to prepare things? I do. I work, we have an in-house chef and I work with him and kind of have to oversee his work because we have to be pretty structured in our portions that Mm -hmm. we give to the clients just to have some sort of um, control and um, making sure that they have consistent intake. So, you know, chefs, which is very, very anti-chef, like they have to measure up. Okay, we're back. Uh, So I just had some technical issue with my microphone. And as soon as we did, Natalie was wonderfully explaining what she does. And literally, I turned off the microphone and she just goes, I am so sick of food. So... So tell me, tell me about that. Tell me. <laughs> so in my job, I'm around food all day, mm-hmm. right? And I'm prepping food and I'm talking about food and we're analyzing food and <clears throat> we're eating food. I eat with my clients. I shop with my clients. I cook with my clients. I do a lot of exposure therapy with them. Mm-hmm. And throughout that process, one becomes a little bit tired of food. You know, can you enjoy eating food yourself? Like we've we've sat down, you've had a yogurt, you've shared your wonderful uh, watermelon. watermelon with me. Can you can you enjoy it, or are you just like, ugh, 
this yeah. again. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I love food and I enjoy food. I think through the process, though, I've stopped cooking for myself mm. um, because, and this happened, yeah, this happens just when you're in the kitchen all day um, and probably this, and I know this happens with chefs and whatnot. Um, you just don't want to be in the kitchen anymore. Yeah. And it kind of loses that spark, which is not, um, which is a little sad for me. So it's, I think, part of what I'm struggling with right now as a dietitian in the field of eating disorders um, is finding balance with it. Yeah. And, and I don't know, and being able to kind of maintain or rediscover that joy with food again. Um, I had a similar feeling when I became a yoga instructor. Mm-hmm. Like when I became a yoga instructor, I was like, I love yoga. And then I started teaching 10 classes sure. a week and I was like, yoga is exhausting and I don't want to do it anymore. Sure. So did, is it that sort of feeling Absolutely. as well? Yeah. Cause when I was teaching full time too, the last thing you want to do is stay for round three yeah. to take class. <laughs> like you, you teach for three hours. I don't want to go back into the hot studio. Yeah. Like we need to get dry. Yeah. Stop sweating. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's definitely that. But um, no, but I love food and food is beautiful. And I love being able to work with people to heal their relationship with it. Um, do you, do you, does the program you work within, does it specialize in a certain type of eating disorder or just across the board? Across the board, anorexia, bulimia, binge eating, across the board. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What made you get into being a, di- because when we met, uh, you, I had not got cert, I had not been certified yet mm-hmm. as a Bikram yoga teacher but you were already certified right and then you've you've started studying to be a dietitian right after your training or right right so so what made you go into being a dietitian so I think it was always an interest of mine nutrition Mm -hmm. and frankly I was really fearful of all the sciences that um were required to to become a dietitian and so partly I wanted to prove to myself probably that I could go through all the chemistries and like what kind of chemistry and stuff do you it's all organic chemistry and biochemistry okay yeah so food really you know you just learn all the molecules and the pathways in the body and how they're absorbed etc so it's all chemistry based so um and I just had always been interested in it so Mm -hmm. I kind of marched myself to columbia at the time and spoke with the program director and she said take intro to chem and intro to nutrition and come back next semester and we'll see how it goes Mm -hmm. so i did and i loved it and then i just kept going what's your um undergrad degree in sociology and dance Ooh, (laughs) it completely prepared me (laughs) no it didn't so i had to go back to school for four full years to become a dietitian and to get my master's simultaneously it was a lot of school Mm -hmm. awesome and about what time did you stop teaching Bikram yoga? I stopped teaching Bikram yoga February. My last class was February like tenth, two thousand and fourteen. Wow, you know the exact one. You were like, and I'm retiring. No, it just happened organically. Honestly, it did. Mm-hmm. I was teaching less and less and less. I was teaching as a hobby for years, and then I was working just too much, mm-hmm. and it. And I wasn't practicing as much. And it just didn't make sense for yeah. me to continue. I miss it. I miss teaching. Do you? Yeah, I do. I've, I teach a little bit in London. I teach about once a month now. That's perfect. And that's enough. I know. Because then I'm like, oh, I wish I taught more. and But I don't, really. Yeah. No, that's good. at one point they tried to give me an extra class. And mm-hmm. I was like, I was like, no, nah, let's yeah. not. Um, but yeah, do you, so how... What, so what's your relationship with Bikram Yoga now? I'm always curious with people who, who uh, stop teaching after. Because I was really diehard about it for a long time. Yeah. And as I think most teachers are, like, mm-hmm. this is amazing. And then mm-hmm. after a while, it's like, you know what? I just want to do other things like we were talking about before right. we. Gosh. my So I start, my first Bikram class was in 2000. Mm-hmm. So that's 15, 15 years, years ago. ago. I hated it. I hated it so much. Do you remember who your teacher was? It was in Kentucky. Okay. It was in Louisville, Kentucky. My sister took me to a class. I wore a full-on sweatsuit. 
I was like oh yeah this should be fine and it wasn't fine and I really disliked it and it just took me a while to get into it I just kept going back and I don't know why I kept going back and then it just something clicked and it really worked for me Mm -hmm. Um, my relationship with it has evolved um, and has meant different things to me at different times my relationship now is really healthy and I'm really I don't know how to describe this I'm really happy about my relationship with Vikram Mm -hmm. because I take it when I want to take it that's really nice yeah and when I really feel like I I want to do this series Mm -hmm. and sometimes I'll take it twice a week sometimes I'll take it twice a month um it just depends on my mood I think Mm -hmm. there was a time when I thought that it was all, like I only did Bikram, and I can't even imagine that now. Yeah. That doesn't even make sense to me. What type of other uh, movement-based exercise do you do? I run. I do Pilates. I hike. I'll do other forms of yoga. I do strength training. Yeah. Yeah. Just different things. Um, it's a variety so my, I think that, that my relationship with yoga started changing when I moved out of New York and I was living in California and I started training for a half marathon. I did a half marathon. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, it, and I started doing Bikram solely for the purpose of just keeping my joints loose mm-hmm. and solely for physical therapy purposes because I knew that my body needed it. And I experienced... Bikram in a totally different body like my toes needed stretching weird things that I never thought needed stretching needed stretching from running and so I just had a totally different approach to it mm-hmm. and that changed my relationship with it for in a good way or in a really good way so let's talk because you said now your relationship with Bikram yoga is really healthy yeah and I feel like some people have the idea of having an unhealthy relationship with yoga seems strange so what what did that look like for you when it seems unhealthy? Or when it wasn't good for you. Unhealthy or ungood. Oh. I don't know what the best word is for Yeah, because I don't think it was ever unhealthy. I think it just, it felt, looking back on it, it felt extreme. Like mm-hmm. I would do only Bikram yoga four to five times a week. And if I didn't do Bikram yoga, I didn't feel like I had exercised. Mm-hmm. It's very strange. Did you ever double up? Like, were you like, oh, I'd, I'd really like to go running, but I have to do my yoga before I go running. Otherwise, I haven't exercised. Mm. Did you ever do anything like that? I've definitely run on the same day that I've done yoga, mm-hmm. but it wasn't because I felt like I would not have exercised otherwise, but mm. I've definitely done two in the same day. Yeah. Right. I've, yeah. I was just wondering, because for a while I had that, like, when people would be like, let's go for a hike. I'd be like, yeah, but what time? Because if I don't get yoga in, right. then the day doesn't count. That sort of thing. I know what that, yeah, I know what you mean by that. So maybe, maybe that happened. I don't even remember, but Mm -hmm. I, I, I can remember a time feeling that way. Yeah. Yeah. So that might've happened, but I didn't do a lot of other things (laughs) when I was doing Bikram, you know? Yeah. Dang. Cause I was also teaching Bikram. So we were just like really tired. Yeah. Just, I'm just tired. Just dehydrated all the time. Always dehydrated. So a lot of talk about Bikram yoga here at the beginning. Um, I'll tell you this. I taught yesterday at Bikram yoga Harlem and I woke up at 8 a.m. to take my friend Dion's class. And that afternoon I was craving sugar. Like I forgot that that was a part of my life that how dehydrated you could get. And I don't know when I get dehydrated, I just crave sugar, which I mean, it, it tastes even more delicious, but it's still probably not that good for you, even though your body's like, I need it right now. Moving forward, we talk a little bit more about where Natalie works, but Natalie didn't want to mention the actual name of the facility she works at, so it's all kind of like where I work and the place that I do the thing. So just so you know, however, at the end of the podcast, she does give her actual email because she sees personal clients as well. So if you have any questions, you can reach out to her. Um, Other than that, I just want to congratulate everyone who did the meditation challenge, Simon, Anders, uh, Roland, Allison, uh, who else did it? Francesca 
was commenting on the thread as well. I think that's really great. Maybe we'll do some more challenges later on uh, coming up. I don't know when. I don't know what. If you guys have a suggestion for something that you want to implement in your life, put it on the Facebook page and be like, hey, I'm going to try to eat more vegetables. I'm going to try to eat one more vegetable a day. Does anyone want to try to do that with me for like a week? And we can do the commenting thing. Because I know having you guys comment on the Facebook page and talk about your experiences meditating really motivated me to keep doing it and gave me good ideas like Anders' idea of meditating in the shower. Oh, what a great idea. That felt really awesome. And yeah, so I hope you guys continue meditating and I hope we continue doing stuff like that. If you're listening and you're not on the Facebook page, you can join Namaste Bitches Podcast Facebook page and that's where I post stuff. You can post stuff. Um, Yeah, let's just make a little community about it. I think it would be a lot of fun. All right, let's get back to the podcast with more Natalie. And so what's your, so at the, um, is it a clinic you work at now? A center? What's the word for it? A treatment program, A treatment, the treatment program Mm -hmm. that you work at, like how, what are the hours like there? Are you there from nine to five or? It depends. Um, We're open seven days a week and the time's vary but the earliest is 10 a.m and the latest since until 8 p.m so we offer um meals and snacks groups therapy etc how did you get involved in this i when i start so i became a dietitian five years ago six years ago something like that and i knew that i wanted to work with eating disorders i liked the dietitian's role because it was more than just recommending like an insure and then nothing else because <laughs> we have a pretty integral role and the program founder had written books and she was based on the west coast and i was really um, inspired by her work and always dreamt of working there. Mm-hmm. And then they opened the program two years ago um, in New York. And so that was my opportunity to to try to work there. And then I was hired um, like six months into them opening. Oh, cool. Mm-hmm. Congratulations. Thanks. Yeah. So, um, and I'm not quite sure what part of your work is, you know, confidential for the client's sake. So if I overstep, uh, just tell me to shut up. But so you deal with people with all types of eating disorders and all different ranges of eating disorders. Like, do people check themselves in or are they referred to by a doctor? How does Both. how does it all work? Both. They check themselves in or they're recommended or they're... So this is a, quote, step-down program. So mm-hmm. the level of um, intensity of programs are as such. The highest level would be inpatient. So someone is medically... Um, in, uh, I, I'm, I'm blanking on a name. So anyway, they need medical attention and they need mm-hmm. to be in a hospital. Yeah. So then from then they from there they would go to a residential program and that means that they sleep at the program Mm -hmm. Uh, from there the step down is partial hospitalization and that's where i work okay Uh, and then from partial hospitalization is intensive outpatient and we also provide that Mm -hmm. and what's the difference between partial hospitalization and outpatient an intensive outpatient sorry intensive outpatient just the time so our we call it PHP clients would be there all day, but our IOP clients would just be there part of the day. Okay. So they're just there less um, time. And like looking around just kind of in, in New York and in life and in fitness and all that, do you feel like the majority of, of, of American society has a grasp on healthy eating or do you think sometimes I feel like everyone has an eating disorder? Totally. Yeah. Right. So how, like, do you ever feel the need to reach out to people and be like, I feel like maybe (laughs) you aren't going about this the right way? I do not have that need because that is not my business. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So, you know, when I leave work, I leave work. And yes, I see people on the street and it's concerning, but it's really just not my business. But 
do the majority of individuals in our society have eating disorders? I don't know, but I know that the dis- the majority have disordered eating, right? Okay, so there's a difference so, yeah, between expl- disordered eating and eating disorders. Explain the difference to me. Um, well, there's certain criteria that one would meet to, to um, clinically be diagnosed with one of the um, numerous eating disorders, mm. but... I mean, someone can have a really unhealthy relationship with food or exercise, constantly be worried about it. Like with the Bikram and running example, um, yeah, constantly worrying about exercise or weight or body, doing weird things with food, constantly dieting. Um, So if you're constantly dieting, it doesn't necessarily mean you have an eating disorder. Right. You just have a disorder with you can can possibly have a disorder with eating possibly interesting see i just lumped it all into one thing yeah yeah i mean but again like i don't know people some people can just be yo-yo dieters for their whole life and i don't it's hard to say they are disordered eaters but um but it's a pretty large spectrum yeah yeah so have you ever had someone come in to the, uh, to your facility that you were like, actually, I feel like you're fine. You're just a big worrier. <laughs> have you ever had them? We have not had that, but, but that's a really good question. Just calm down. Um, because you know what, though? If they're a really big worrier, then they're, they, you know, we have to validate that yeah. and, and help them with that. Um, they might not be appropriate for our level of care. Yeah. So in which case, then, you know, we would recommend maybe you need to have a therapist and a dietitian, you mm-hmm. know, and to have a team out for yourself. Yeah. Um, yeah. A lot of people are warriors. That's okay. No. What a, uh, what's the most common issue that you see in your job? Like what, um, you mean like anorexia or bulimia or? Yeah. Or just kind of like the one, is there one thing that all three of those have in common? Yeah, definitely. With one extreme comes another extreme. So meaning if someone starts off restricting or limiting their food, eventually they're going to end up probably binging on it and going the other extreme. Mm -hmm. Um, what is the one common thread is probably lack of kindness for oneself. Yeah. Yeah. Which that was your piece yeah. of advice. Yeah. With food, I guess probably a distrust in their body. Yeah. And a distrust in food. And um, a genuine belief that one does not know how to feed themselves. I felt that. Yeah. Yeah. Be- because, well, you just feel, or I feel bombarded so much by media and and mm-hmm. how you should eat and yeah. what's good for you and how to count calories and lose weight that it's like I just don't know what to do right and then I I have felt that there's times when I've tried to eat healthier but then you tell just a friend you're like oh I'm just trying to do this and they'll be like yeah but that has a lot of carbs in it because everyone's afraid of carbs right now mm-hmm. that's the thing mm-hmm. but yeah, I don't know where I was. I felt like I started there with a question, but now I don't know where I was going with it. That's okay. Um, but Well, we hear a lot of stories about food, and often it's incorrect. Mm-hmm. And those stories stay with us. <laughs> and then it dictates the way that we feed or don't feed ourselves. Mm-hmm. So, like you just said, everyone's scared of carbs. Well... Back in the 80s, everyone was scared of fat. Yeah. Right? So, um, but if carbs were so bad, then, like, nothing has changed. Yeah. It's just, like, these stories keep changing um, about different foods. I kind of want to be like, what's the best way to eat? But that feels like a really general question. But I think that is the question of just... What's the best way to eat? Yeah, what's the best... Um... Well, from the viewpoint of a dietitian that works with people who suffer from eating disorders, mm-hmm. my philosophy is all food fits, from Sour Patch Kids to kale, and everything can fit. Yeah. 
so that probably means like everything in moderation, et cetera, et cetera. But people hate to hear that because it's not black and white. And we kind of sometimes need boundaries and equations and, mm-hmm. and what to do and what not to do. But the best way to eat, I think, did Michael Pollan write this? Like eat mostly plant-based foods? I'm not sure who wrote it, but so, yeah. I don't know. I think the best way to eat is to like approach it with that everything fits Mm -hmm. and to legalize everything and I think that's where people need to start yeah legalizing everything doesn't mean you just like gorge all day nonstop, but it does mean that sure if you want to go out and have like fried chicken and biscuits for lunch well damn you go out and have fried chicken and biscuits for lunch you know yeah then for dinner Maybe you'll be interested in something else. But first, just to be calm about it and then to move on from there. Yeah. Do people often ask you for advice uh, outside of work now that they know you're a dietitian? Yeah, all the time. Is it exhausting and annoying? I hate talking about food. <laughs> I feel like... <laughs> I hate talking about I feel about like food. we were having a really lovely conversation and then I turned on the mics and you're like, ugh, this again. <laughs> so thank I you for coming food. to do it. <laughs> Thank you for coming to do my podcast where I wanted to talk to you about food for an hour. Of course. I mean, I say that jokingly and also not jokingly. But like, you know, someone will hear that I'm a dietitian and then they'll all of a sudden get really paranoid about what they're eating. And I just genuinely don't Do people apologize in front of you for eating things? (laughs) Uh, That's never happened. Okay. But they're paranoid and they feel judged and I just, I genuinely do period, not period care. Yeah. You know, I really don't care. And um, I just want people to be happy. Yeah. And like, <laughs> let's talk about something else. Okay. But I often have people wanting to talk to me about their diet and stuff like that. And I try to redirect the conversation. All right. Well, yeah. let's read. But for the purpose of this conversation, we can talk about food. Okay. We can redirect it. We can talk about something else. I mean, you're not a stranger on the plane. Yeah, that's right. true. <laughs> you can get that. Someone just holds up that that piece of bread that they have in a plastic <laughs> can I eat this is this good for me and oh, you're like man. just I don't yeah I don't care that did happen to me the last time I went oh, I was really? on a plane this woman started talking to me about you know eating gluten-free and trying to stay away from sugar and she feels so much better but her husband really hates it because they can't eat pasta etc <laughs> etc et et flight tell me it was like I really fell long. asleep so I just <laughs> Good for you. So I just, I wrote a letter and then just smiled politely and redirected the conversation. Has it gotten to a point where now when people ask what you do for a living, are you like, I'm an accountant? Because <laughs> no. then they would ask me questions about that and I wouldn't know anything. No, I say I'm a nutritionist. Okay. Cool, yeah. Cool, cool. Yeah. Uh, the recording there got a little scratchy at one point and sorry about that. We're recording in my New York apartment where uh on the floor because I don't have a couch as of now so uh everything's a bit you know it's, it's all it's all a bit up in the air but yeah I really I just like Natalie's honesty about being so tired of food and I can understand how it's probably annoying to have people come up to you I'm sure it happens to doctors as well it's like oh you're a doctor I've been feeling this pain right here or as a comedian I know people are like oh you're a comic I've always wanted to tell jokes and when you have certain professions I think they they're not just professions they're lifestyles I'm sure being a nutritionist is a lifestyle being a comedian is a lifestyle being a yoga instructor is a lifestyle so even when you go home from work you're still within that lifestyle and people still have questions for you and all of that stuff so uh, but I really appreciate her honesty of just being like I'm I'm just sick of talking about this. So we do redirect the conversation for a little bit. But don't worry, we pull it all back around to food because she's a professional and I want some free advice on air, you know. That's how I do. Uh, again, guys, thank you so much for listening. It, please, if you have time, go on to iTunes and rate and comment on the podcast. I think if you just press the stars right now, uh, they aren't coming up because not a, enough people have commented. But if you comment, it'll come up right away. I'm pretty sure that's how that works. I'm not 
100%. But if you like the podcast, please share it with a friend. Rate it on iTunes because the more it gets rated, the more it gets bumped up in the iTunes queue. And then we get to share this with more people. And again, thank you so much for listening because there's literally thousands of podcasts to listen to. And you're spending an hour with me and the people I have on the podcast. And I really appreciate that because you could have anything in your ears right now. All right. I think I've rambled on enough at this point. Let's get back to Natalie. Uh, what are you, what are you doing uh, these days in your life to stay active and happy? Now I'm, I'm literally happy. trying to direct it. I'll direct it back to food. Don't you worry. But we can I am talk try- about food as I'm much as you want. I'm trying to vary up the conversation. I appreciate just a bit. No, I, we can talk about food, of course. Um, what do I say? What do I do? Mm. I like to be in the park. Yeah. I have been traveling quite a bit. That oh, was yeah. my goal this year was to travel a little bit more. Oh, cool. Yeah. Where Where have you been traveling to? I went to Mexico. <gasps> That was fun. For, I went to North Carolina. Nice. Gonna go to Costa Rica. Nice. Yeah. Are you um, Are you just going there in vacationing or are you going there for like projects or retreats or anything like that? Vacationing. Oh, very nice. Weddings. You know. Very cool. Yeah. Awesome, awesome. Yeah. Uh, are you, do you set yourself yearly goals? I normally don't. Mm-hmm. I really don't. But this year I did. And I had three goals. What were they? Number one, to get a dog. How's that going? It's okay. Do you have a dog? No. Okay. (laughs) Number two. (laughs) But I've been thinking about it. To live alone, which I do. Yeah, congratulations. Thank you. And number three, oh, there are four goals. Number three, to travel more, which I'm doing. Yeah. And number four, less self-deprecating comments. Oh, that's (laughs) a good one. Yeah. That's a that's a tricky one too. Mm-hmm. How's that one going? I don't know. Yeah. It's hard I, to measure. Yeah. But I think. Do you, Do you ever catch yourself halfway through doing it yeah. and then stop it? Yeah. Sometimes right. I do that with joke writing. I'll check. I'll see. Mm-hmm. I'm going down a path, and I'll be like, "This doesn't help anyone." <laughs> <laughs> like what? Um, well, right now, I I I've talked a lot about. I ran a marathon. No big deal. That's amazing. Uh, yeah. I've never mentioned it on the podcast ever. No one knows. How are your yeah. feet? I'm. They were fine. Um, That's I amazing. cut my toenails too short Ooh. a little bit before, and I had one toenail bruise. Okay. But that was it. I never got blisters. I and, and my joints were fine. I think honestly, like you said, uh, yoga helped. But my flexibility. I now have tight quads, which I never knew was a thing. Yeah. Like, I have a lot of compassion for, as a teacher, I'd be like, I just don't understand why your bow pose doesn't look. And now I'm like, oh, because of this. Right. Which, so uh, uh, my flexibility is still recovering from it. But um, what was I going to say? Why was I talking about the marathon? What did you say beforehand? Self-deprecating comments. Oh, okay. So on stage, I'm talking about that. And I just assumed when I varied up my exercise that I would lose weight. Mm-hmm. So, and, and I stopped drinking. Mm-hmm. And when you stop drinking and you start running all the time, everyone asks you if you're losing weight. And I didn't actually lose any weight through the right. whole process. I think I lost five pounds for a bit. A lot of people gain weight when they're training for a marathon. Yeah, I, I didn't gain. I lost like about five pounds and then it went straight back up okay. to five pounds. Yeah. yeah. But, um, but anyways, so I've been writing about that. But I just have to be careful that it doesn't get like, I hate my body. It's just like, no, this science experiment did not go the way I, I hypothesized. My hypothesis was not correct. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay, I see that. Mm-hmm. Um, That's awesome that you ran a marathon. Thank you. That's, That's awesome that you ran huge. a half marathon. That Thanks. is also huge. I mean, not nearly as huge. <laughs> right. Literally half as huge. <laughs> It's only half as impressive. Yeah. No big deal though. Um yeah, I can't run more than five miles now without pain in my foot. I which is a bummer. My in well, you know, I say I experienced no pain. My instep hurt the entire time and I was just like, This is part of my life now. Okay. I just accepted it um on my right foot. But I I'll be honest, I ran one and my roommate Katie is a marathon runner and she's like you know what you'll forget how much you disliked it and you'll want to run another one 
And I no, I don't. And I, I, I think I would run a half marathon again because okay. that's that's two hours of exercise and that's fine. Yeah. Um, it took me five hours to run a marathon and I d- don't check. I did it. Yes. Bucket lift. It's off. Good. What about, do you Good think you'll you. do more half marathons? Or I've you only kinda... done two. And honestly, no, I, my body just physically can't yeah. do more than four or five miles. You know, I just can't. But that's still so awesome. You know, the. I think you just find, again, you find a balance. Like, yeah, I don't. If you want to run marathons, okay, that's great. But I think, yeah, I, I love that. People were like, once you do a half, you're just going to want to go full. And you're never going to want to stop. <laughs> and I did not experience that. I yeah. finished that first half and I was like, I can't imagine doing that all over again. Yeah. Right now. Yeah. No, no I, know I don't exactly. want to do that. Well, the only reason why I ran the full is because I ran a half and the, the charity that I was running for was like, we actually have a spot if you want to run mm-hmm, the full. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I, and, and I had two more months before the full marathon. And I was like, if I don't run one now, I probably never will. Yeah. So I'm so just going to do it. And I did it. And now I feel fine. Okay. Like good. I don't <laughs> like, yeah, that sounds like a great approach <laughs> of not doing it again. But I, I do like the fact that now I know I can go running because yeah. that was never part of my... Right. Like going back to doing Bikram yoga for so long, which is really awesome, but then that was all I was doing, so right. I didn't know my body was capable of doing other things. Mm-hmm. It was mm-hmm. just like basically like I can do the standing splits and that's all I can do in my life. <laughs> which is a lot. Yeah. But I understand. <laughs> Isn't that enough? Yeah. <laughs> I cannot anymore because of other things. Yeah, my no, I can't totally either. different. So, yeah, you have more compassion as a teacher. Do for sure. When when you started running and your and that started to change your yoga practice, did you have trouble adjusting to that mentally? No. No. You were totally No, it fine. was fascinating. Yeah. I loved it. And I was like, this is why it's so important for me to be doing this. Mm. Yeah. It was just a fascinating experience. <laughs> like I can't bend my toe. Well, that's interesting. Yeah. You know, I obviously need to be doing these exercises. Because you were a dancer before, right? right? Mm-hmm. Um, did you ever did you ever experience foot problems before as a dancer? Now I'm just curious where the toe thing comes from. I know, right? Toe thing comes from working in a restaurant. Oh. Yeah. And wearing... Um, and not wearing the best shoes. Were you a server for a while? No, I was like worked as a prep chef. Oh, right. I don't think I knew that. Yeah, so and I did that because I wanted to be a culinary nutritionist. So what? I went into a, re- a restaurant where they had a culinary nutritionist, and I kind of put myself through an internship, got my ass kicked, worked as a prep chef in Garmage. <laughs> What's Garmage? Oh, like the salad section. Okay. Yeah. So it was, you know, 12, 14 hour shifts on your feet all day. And um, <clears throat> that really, my feet have never been the same since. So what exactly did you learn as a culinary nutritionist? So this restaurant in particular. Um, was, See how we segue back to food? Yeah. Good Fucking job. amazing. Was different because it was the first restaurant to ever have a dietitian and a chef work together. Oh, And cool. the philosophy, it was a... <clears throat> It was a Michelin star rated restaurant, you know, and it was new American. So it was very fancy food, but everything was very carefully measured out. We had to kind of even measure like the grams of salt to make sure that every dish fit um, within the certain nutrition guidelines that the restaurant and um, kind of the the nutrition board had um, decided was yeah. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. Decided it was cool. And <laughs> yeah, for lack of words. Right. So um, the restaurant started in Brussels and it opened up in New York. And I always, I loved the food aspect of being a dietitian and I wanted to be able to do that. And so I spoke with a culinary nutritionist there and she let me come on board and work in the kitchen to really get you know, a good sense of what's going on in the kitchen and, mm-hmm. and how to work that. And then I was hired on eventually to be a culinary nutritionist and work with 
the original culinary nutritionist. So as a culinary nutritionist, are you building the meals and then the chef executes them? Is that the how chef executes them and then we make, we quote, validate the meals, make sure that they are, again, meet the nutrition guidelines. Um, and if they don't, then we work together to make sure that they do so that there's enough like, really it's not so much that something has to be a certain calories while that, however that is, you know, included, mm-hmm. but mostly they wanted to maximize and optimize like the nutritional density of the food. So for instance, if there was sodium, a lot of sodium in a dish, we would increase the potassium so that there was um, maximum like absorption in the body. So of potassium helps absorb sodium? So that potassium would kind of override the amount of um, sodium in the body. So it was it was really interesting and really an amazing experience to work next to the chefs. Chef, I have more respect for chefs than like anyone in the entire world. They're really? the hardest working people I've ever met in my yeah. entire life. So, um, yeah, and to be exposed to really amazing food and really passionate and dedicated chefs. I mean, they're art. They're artists. Um, you know, with in the pastry section, they had to have a certain amount of grams of fruit. So like without just making a fruit plate, how would you take a chocolate cake and like make that dessert acceptable? Oh, and cool. the chefs would use berries and kind of just like do amazing things. Like, food. like what would they do to chocolate cake? <laughs> so like you a mentioned red, chocolate cake I know. and now I'm So like a red interested. velvet cake, for instance, they would use beets to get the, to get the, um, the color. Oh, cool. They would use, you know, pure cocoa, um, really neat really like innovative thinking mm-hmm. yeah were you ever were you did you learn how to make those things as well yes so you can I make... mean I had to assist them right and follow the certain recipes um I learned while working there that I would never be able to be a chef yeah <laughs> nor would I want to again which is why I have so much respect for them um yeah, I spent a lot of time peeling beets and doing other things in the back of yeah. the restaurant. Mm-hmm. Very it's hard cool. work. Yeah. And so the this restaurant wasn't it wasn't vegan or macro. Yeah. It was just healthy. Yeah, it was just healthy. Oh, that's really um, cool. You know, very fresh ingredients, sustainable. Um, very much like farm to table. What type of information were they giving their customers? Like, were they like, and this is X amount of calories with this amount of protein? Or were they like, just trust us? Yeah, it was, so because it was a very, like, fine dining restaurant. Mm -hmm. So we had all of the nutrition information available in a very pretty binder if someone wanted to, you know, look at it. Mm -hmm. But that wasn't on the menu. And the menu changed weekly. Oh, cool. Yeah, absolutely. Because of... um, Yeah, because it's a fine dining restaurant. Yeah. Whatever is is available. How cool is it that there's gourmet restaurants out there that are all about healthy eating and really go out of their way to do that? I want to try a red velvet cake made with beets. I got to find this place. I got to ask Natalie the name of it. Um, Going forward, we talk a little bit about counting calories and how Natalie feels about it. I was telling her how someone else on the podcast, specifically Pierre Nouvelli, I told her after we recorded um, that he lost a lot of weight and he counted calories and he's pro-counting calories, whereas you'll see Natalie's not so pro-counting calories. But I mentioned that to her in... And her comment to that was, oh, it would have been interesting to have us both on the podcast at the same time. So that might be a new project to have two people on, one person maybe being a professional, another person who's gone through a life change, and see what happens there. I don't know who, I don't know when, if anyone has any suggestions, I am totally open to it. But that sounds, I don't know, just sounds like a very exciting project. Um, Just so you know, I am in New York for the month of June, and at the very end of June, I am doing my Edinburgh show at the Creek in the Cave at 7 p.m. on June 28th and 29th. The show is free both times. It's on a Sunday and Monday night, 7 p.m., so 
just enough time to get off work, just enough time to get to the creek, just enough time to get home, not too late. But the show's called Postcoital Confessions. If you're around and you want to see a preview of it, it's already on sale at the Edinburgh Fringe Festival. If you just want to see it there and it'll be done and it'll be really cool, uh, tickets are on sale. It's on at the Gilded Balloon at 5.15 p.m. throughout the Edinburgh Fringe Festival. And, of course, all of that is on my website, abigalia.com. Um, that's it. That's all I really wanted to plug in this moment. Let's get back to Natalie and hear her thoughts on counting calories. Um, I have a question. Do your clients, do you encourage them to count calories? No. I've had people <laughs> on this podcast be very pro-counting calories. Really? And people be very against count, counting calories. Right. And I just wanted to know your take on it. I am against counting calories. Yeah. Yeah. I think more focus on numbers increases anxiety, increases obsessiveness, and kind of anchors someone within their eating disorder. Okay. Yeah. Do they monitor their eating? Like, do you have them keep food journals and stuff? I do. I have them keep food journals. I know the calories of things. I look at the calories of things. That's my job, Mm -hmm. you know, to kind of figure out the math and what's going on. And I know the calories of the meals and the snacks that we provide, which is why everything does kind of need to be pretty contained but um i have them keep food journals and a big thing is because i need to know what's going on and but with their food journals it's not even just the food it's like timing placement how they're feeling um they can write like i effing hate this this is annoying Mm -hmm. i feel awful from this i feel hungry from this i don't feel hungry from this so that we start this mindfulness around it and we start the awareness around it Mm -hmm. because oftentimes we're so detached from how we're feeling yeah right so um and especially like if we're hungry or if we're not hungry and hunger and fullness cues are so out of whack when someone has an eating disorder it's so out of whack and so the process of recording that and being mindful about it you get to watch how you actually become more and more synced up Mm -hmm. like how the body syncs up and starts functioning a little more normally which is exciting so that's one of the ways that you get hunger cues back on track is by having them record what they're eating? No, not having them record, but just starting to be mindful about it. Okay. Um, they get their hunger cues back on track when they start um, eating <laughs> consistently Yeah. and um, eating in a more normalized manner. Yeah. Takes a while. Yeah. Takes a long time. I feel like, yeah, I still haven't figured out how to eat to not hungry anymore and not just full because full's fun sometimes <laughs> right. sometimes full is really it's funny like it's fun to eat a lot of pizza maybe it shouldn't be right i don't know I if that's it. the bad way to think about it but it's fun to eat a lot of pizza i agree <laughs> i ate a lot of pizza on wednesday and Isn't it was great? fun it was fun i haven't had pizza since i've been back that's what i haven't done it yet the first meal i had back uh in New York City is I went down and I got a deli sandwich like a hero okay uh because I love them so much and yeah. you can't get anything like that isn't in London. the food terrible in London I don't know the food scene in it's London. good it's I mean they're no it's not bad I think it it has a worse rap than it really but you don't have good pizza there do you we don't have good pizza um like you can get good the I like the grocery stores more oh I really do um, but the, like, there's no street pizza. Yeah. Basically on the go food is hard yeah. to do healthy there. Right. Um, but as far as restaurants and cafes, I think they're quite good. Oh, okay. So, yeah. Well, I hope you get pizza here soon. Yeah. Because that's important. Yeah. Maybe that's what I'll do tonight. Yes. I'll eat a lot of pizza. Okay. But yeah, but no, how, basically... Um, listen, I'm, I didn't ask you to be on this podcast so I could get a free health session or anything, <laughs> but it's okay if you did, uh, but no, how, how do you encourage people to, f- to learn when is, when is hungry and when is not hungry? When is, when is full, when is too full? Like how, mm. how do you learn that? It's a good question. So by starting to, well, there's a hunger and fullness scale that we use, mm-hmm. which I can draw for you. Okay. <laughs> Zero is so hungry, you feel sick and faint and dizzy. Mm-hmm. You don't want to be at that point. No. Ten is so full, you feel sick. 
Yeah. And like you can't move and your field of position and feel like you're going to be sick. We also want to stay out of that zone. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of people who struggle with eating and have, you know, a difficult relationship with food oftentimes stay start eating when they're near the zero mm-hmm. and finish eating when they're not even at a five because they're so used to being so hungry that they stop eating when they're no longer so hungry. Okay. So we have to try to shift the starting and the ending point. Okay. So that, again, it's more in the middle and we get out of the extremes. Mm -hmm. How do I teach them to learn that? That's what you asked? Yeah. By eating. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, By eating consistently and we get them on like you know, structured meals and snacks. Mm -hmm. And honestly, to start... Is it like a three meal a day and two snacks? Three snacks. Yeah. Yeah. Three snacks, three meals. Not eating enough snacks. Right. (laughs) (laughs) That's my problem. (laughs) Right. At first, it's three meals, three snacks. So you're eating like every three hours. Mm -hmm. And, And it's really important to to start journaling it and you notice, okay, if I were to put my hunger on this scale, what number would I use? If I were to put my fullness on a scale, what number would I use? And then you just kind of keep answering those questions and keep moving forward. Mm -hmm. I mean, gosh, is anyone like, and then, you know, a lot of people have this idea of like intuitive eating and knowing exactly who, who, who does that? Who can really do that? I, yeah. I just feel like that's a very big expectation for oneself. Yeah. Um, it's not like we suddenly know when we're a perfect fullness and we stop eating. Like, I don't think that exists for anyone. There's yeah. always a range. And some people enjoy eating pizza so much and they get a little too full sometimes. I think that's totally normal, right? Yeah. But um, it's just a process of eating consistently and starting to just to be aware, mm-hmm. to be aware of it. In the program, you're also exercising or you do workouts with them as well is that what you were doing before you came here no for some reason in my head I thought this what you were at work no I was not at work I was doing my own fun movement class on my own I think I got confused because you were like my phone's out of battery text this and you sent me the your website for where you work (laughs) and I was like okay well I guess if she's not here by two I'll call her no. Okay. Sorry cool. for the miscommunication. Um, they have, we offer yoga therapy. Make sure you're talking to the microphone. We have yoga therapy. Okay. So they do, we offer one yoga class a week because there's a lot of studies and that, you know, it's very important. Again, the mindfulness and being in tune with their body um, mm-hmm. for these clients. So we do offer that and we do some walks. You know, we're not a residential program. The residential programs do have an exercise regime for the clients to help to normalize their, you know, relationship with exercise. Of course, if it's medically appropriate for the client. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so we cool. don't really have like, I don't exercise with them. Okay. That wouldn't be, that wouldn't be appropriate. Okay. <laughs> I wouldn't feel comfortable <laughs> with that. Yeah. What, what type of yoga do you guys have them do? Is it just a general Hatha series? Or? It is a general Hatha. We have a, a yoga therapist come in and conduct the, the class with them. Um, our yoga teacher right now is, she I think specializes with like eating disorder and trauma related um, situations and mm-hmm. clients who, who suffer from those. She got certified in a yoga practice that does that yeah Mm -hmm. oh man there's just so so many many, i know so many out there. yeah so we wouldn't exactly have them do bikram yeah Mm -hmm. would you would you ever get certified in another type of yoga i don't know i don't know Mm. yeah i actually do not know maybe sometimes i think about it and then i'm like yeah but only if I got a scholarship. Right. <laughs> right. Like, I just don't know if I can spend another couple right. grand exactly. on a certification. Agreed. Um, <laughs> if they pay me yeah. to go get trained. <laughs> I think, you know, especially with working with this clientele of people with trauma and um, exercise addiction and eating disorders, I think it can be really rewarding. I think it's really important. Um and I've I've taken a few classes and, and done some seminars um, with with the um, yoga instructors, and it's really 
it's really emotional and yeah. in a positive way. Yeah. It's really amazing work, actually. So would I be trained to become a teacher? Probably not, but I really... I really think that the work that they do is important. How, how is their approach to a class different than what we were taught? Everything. Um, <laughs> you know, Lock I, your knee. <laughs> right. They, I, how can you hold on to money, love, or happiness if you can't hold on to your own foot? Oh you don't God. say that? You don't, you don't, don't just yell so. at them? I think a lot of it is eyes closed. Um, I know that they don't oh. use posture names, actually. So, right. So, because oftentimes it's like you hear, um, I don't know, standing bow, and then you have an idea of what it needs to look like in your head. And, mm. right. So, it's just a very different approach. It's, it's, a, it's a lot more mindful, a bit slower. Mm. That's cool. Mm -hmm. That's beautiful. It is beautiful. <laughs> um, so what do you what are you doing these days to feel good and fit and happy? Um, are you excited about a certain type of uh, yoga or, or exercise right now? I went on a really nice hike last weekend oh, in yeah? North Carolina, and that was awesome. I also canoed down a river and flipped <laughs> in still water, <laughs> which was exciting. <laughs> but what am I doing to feel, you know, I'm trying to just be outside. Honestly, I need fresh air. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I go through waves of what I do. Mm -hmm. I, like, I like hot yoga and I like yoga with music. And mm -hmm. so there's a little more expression and a little more autonomy. Yeah. And running if I can, which isn't that often. Sitting in the park and eating ice cream makes oh, me happy. That's the, that's the best. <laughs> um, those are things. Having a nice cold beer. Yeah. Those are some things that I'm doing. Good for you. <laughs> those are some things that I'm doing. I like all those things. Mm -hmm, me too. Um, all right. Well, we're... We're pretty much done. We've awesome. We've about hit an hour. Um, do you have uh, any any information that you want to put out there as far as if anyone wants to reach you, or do you not want to be reached because you don't want to talk about food anymore? <laughs> I mean, I'm that's, the worst dietitian <laughs> ever. It's fine. Uh, yes, I do see private clients. We do speak about food. I do love food, and I love helping people restore their relationship with food. Um, so they can reach me at my email address. Okay. Should I say it? Yeah. Which is Nutrition Natalie. Yeah. Go figure. So nutritionnatalie at gmail.com. All right. Cool. Um, yeah. I also work with athletes. Cool. Mm -hmm. What, what, Nat, Nat, wait. <laughs> Excuse me. We're going to go for another hour. What, what type of focus do you do with athletes? Well, just, I mean, I work, I do specialize in eating disorders, but I, you know, work with clients who just want to make sure that they're, you know, fueling themselves appropriately for races mm -hmm. or even just people who want to maintain weight or do want to feel better in their body or need to gain weight or whatnot. Um, so I work with a variety of clients. So it's not just limited to people who are suffering with eating disorders. Awesome. Mm -hmm. Very cool. Yeah. Good yeah. for you. Thanks. Awesome. Well, thank Thanks. you so much for coming on the podcast. And your piece of advice was be kind to yourself. Yes. Awesome. Thank you so much. Thanks, Abigail. Thank you, Natalie. And that's it. That's episode number seven with Natalie Garnaschelli. If you have any questions for Natalie, please email her at nutritionnatalie at gmail.com. I will also include her email address in the show notes. This episode was underscored by Vivaldi. I'll be honest, I have a lot of Vivaldi. So the next couple weeks are going to be Vivaldi. But this is the violin concerto in C. Thank you for listening. Please comment on iTunes. Share the podcast with people. Join the Facebook page. Tell your friends about the Facebook page. Namaste Bitches Podcast. I have shows coming up. They're all on abigalaya.com. But you know all of this. And again, just... Thank you for listening, and thank you for being a part of this. Enjoy the rest of your week. Next week, we have Dion Monsanto on a very exciting. She is a life coach, a yoga instructor, and an African dance instructor. She's also on the New York board for 
the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention. So we have an extremely interesting conversation. So uh, keep your ears pricked for that next week. Again, thank you for listening. Have a good week and namaste.